0: The information provided in this podcast episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome to Minding My Black Business. Hello family, welcome to another episode of the Minding My Black Business podcast podcast. And it is I, Dr. Janae Taylor, your host, Nene, Dr. T, that's me. All right, family, I appreciate you joining us again. Um, and we got such a wonderful uh, reception from the previous episode after being away for a few months. And I told you, I am trying to do better about recording. So here I am. I also realized that uh, I dropped a little bit of a bombshell (laughs) in the last episode. um, And I'm going to get into that now. Actually, this is what this whole episode will be about. I, you know, I felt that was only right to do that. So, in our previous episode where I announced being back and announced all the things that have been going on in the background. I also mentioned that I have just hit my two-year celebration of being a cancer survivor. So yay, right? Let's acknowledge that. Woo. <laughs> in fact, when um, the physician, the oncologist, um, said it, I did, it, I, it didn't register. It did register, but it didn't register. When I go into that office, um, at this point, I'm having to go, well, at that point, I was having to go every three months. Now that I've hit two years, I go every six months, um, and for a follow-up and have to do testing, um, to ensure that we're, we're still good. Um, And then eventually it'll be once a year. Then it'll be every five years. So, you know, this is like a... I'll be connected to these people forever. But (laughs) I'll see them less and less, hopefully. Um, So my point was, um, I'm just kind of used to being on edge and having to go to that office. And so the idea of like, yeah, you made a milestone. Now we can go to six months. It took me a minute for that to like sinking okay let me (laughs) let me back back so um yes I have officially hit two years as a cancer survivor um so there's a period of time after my treatment in which I have to consistently test negative in order to be considered a cancer survivor and so I had maintained that level of no results for two years, but all of this really started back in two thousand and eighteen. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about in this episode about how I was impacted by this health crisis, um, how it influenced my business, and then how my whole perspective and and relationship with wellness has changed as a result of that or shifted. So. Um, Back in 2018, that year, things happened so very quickly. Was it 2018? It was 2019. I'm sorry. COVID has taken away my perception of time. (laughs) It's taken away my perception of time. So it was the top of 2019. So... I went to a regular checkup, um, with my regular physician and, um, she noticed that something was not as it should be. So had to get a biopsy and, um, that's that's when it was determined that it was cancerous. And so kudos to her. She... By the time I had the follow-up appointment to discuss the results of the biopsy, she had already made contact with the oncologist, had already scheduled an appointment for me, had already printed out my um, intake documents that I needed to complete, had put it in a folder, had written out my appointment card. Like, she made that process so very easy in a space where my whole world was like, a hundred miles an hour and the level of like gentleness she had with it, um, was, was amazing. And it sticks with me because I think about that too. Like and when I'm in spaces in my own work where I might have to refer a client to more specific Treatment. So if they need something maybe connected to substance abuse treatment or eating disorder treatment, so these are not my specialties. These are things that I would need to refer clients out for, but the way in which she kind of managed that connection stuck with me. And so, um, that's something that's kind of in my, my own mental library as I move forward in my own practice with, with clients. So This actually happened in 2019. I'm sorry, (laughs) y'all. Not 18. So, um, uh, what was life like before COVID? Real. Okay, so um, to the top of 2019 is when this all happened with my doctor's appointment. Let's say about February is when I had that appointment. I came back. Maybe in like two weeks to a month to get that biopsy done. Maybe it was two weeks. And then by May I was meeting with an oncologist. And so my summer 2019 was whack. Um, <laughs> it was whack, y'all. I had to um meet with the oncologist. Um my mom, who is a nurse, and is a nurse educator, and um, she was here at all those appointments, so she went with me, and um, we met with the oncologist, and we had to decide what the course of treatment would be, because I had a couple of options, one that was aggressive, one that was less aggressive, uh, but could turn into being more aggressive if I you know, essentially like they would let me take the lead, but if things weren't progressing in the way they need to, then we would have to result back to option one. So anyway the that conversation was eye opening and it was all So, let me kind of paint the picture. So, in 2019, as I'm sitting and getting this information from, you know, my first physician and then sitting with the oncologist, being with my mom, you know, my mom being with me through all of this, this is 2019. We had just lost my dad in 2016. Um, My dad had been ill for some time and ultimately had like a major heart attack and passed away just like at the house like it was terrifying like that's a that's a whole nother um episode that's a whole nother separate episode um because that also happened while I was running the business um I got a call while I was literally in between clients or at work so so the family was still grieving right? My dad uh, was and is like a major influence, a major like personality, a major like rock. So his absence, his physical absence, you have to like rewire your brain around that. You have to rewire how you respond to For me, I had to rewire how I responded to happy news, sad news, questions, what to do with my car, you know, all these kind of things. So still in the process of of our own bereavement and having to face my own potential mortality because the realness of what I was being given is that, yes, there are options and solutions. um, And... None of this is guaranteed, but this is based on, you know, what we've seen happen, that these things work. None of this is guaranteed. And if you do nothing, if you take no steps, then you will, this will certainly be the thing that, that kills you. So, okay. Uh Ugh. So, so that happened. <laughs> I had to, I made a decision about what to do um, in terms of the treatment, and I decided to go with the most aggressive response. um, In my mind, I was like, this family cannot take another loss. Like, I need to be as aggressive as I can to make sure that I can still be around. Now as I'm saying this to you as I'm saying this and this as I'm recording this some of these things are my thoughts that nobody has ever heard. And actually um yeah these are thoughts that some some people have never heard. And so you all are hearing this and I'm like processing this in real time. But um yeah, the family can't take another loss. So I it's, it's incumbent upon me to be responsible with my body at this point and take the most aggressive treatment possible. That That felt like the thing to do at the time. And even now, I don't have any regrets around that. So my brain went into planning mode because I wanted to create a plan, know what's happening with me, try to minimize any sort of like burden that this might be on anybody else around me, um, and figure out what to do with my business. Because <laughs> I was actively seeing clients as all this was happening. So in order to deal with the business part, I had to tell people So, so far, it was only, like, my close group of family and friends that knew what was going on. Um, But now I had to tell my colleagues. And so, and not all of them, but the people that it would directly impact. So I had, like, an office suite with colleagues. So then I had to do some, I had to let them know because if, you know, as I rescheduled my clients, if somebody happened to call or come by... They would, have, they would know what's going on and be able to kind of help best direct them. I had to create a succession plan, like a professional trust, as to who would manage my clients, who would direct them clients to the appropriate resource, who might even support my clients if they are just lost as to what the next steps are, if my recovery is longer than anticipated, or if I become incapacitated in some way um, and I'm not able to practice, Or even in the unfortunate situation, if I die, um, if I am no longer around, what happens to my client? So I had to do that. I also had to inform insurance panels about pausing my referrals because insurance panels will, you know, provide this information or, you know, when people are looking for therapists, they will produce a list of providers. So I had to kind of pull myself out of that. Um, for a period of time um, I had to explain to my current clients that I was actively saying that I would be out for a period of time for medical reasons. I didn't explain the extent to which what was going on um, I just said I'd be out for medical reasons for a couple of months and I had I would have to have surgery and recovery. so I said those things without giving them like the diagnosis. Part of it is because I don't know if I could physically like, I don't know if I had the emotional capacity to explain what was actively happening to me in real time over and over again without just being a mess by the end of the day. So I was like, just give them the pieces that they need to know. Um, And everybody was so warm and kind and considerate and, um, you know, shared their own care and concern for me. I also had to work with my, um, business manager about the plan as to how we would keep stay in communication during, um, medical processes and, um, recovery period. So we would know if the intended plan of when to come back, if that could stay as it is, or if we needed to change that in any way, or, um, so, you know, she would feel the the calls and inquiries and, you know, manage those. And um, we just stayed in contact that whole time. She was awesome about this too. Um, and so then I also had to create a plan as to kind of get to get back into work. Um, that was wild too, what it meant to kind of go back to work, hit the grind after having this experience. And so as I was preparing for my own surgery, I had to have um, I was anemic, and, and apparently really anemic in a way that I didn't even know. Um, so this is another thing too: is I was actively learning things about my body that I kind of knew were off. And when I would tell certain physicians, they wouldn't respond, which is why I'm forever, forever grateful to this, you know, to this physician who started this whole process of doing the biopsy, blah 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 because she um, she made things happen that other people ignored. So I had to get iron um, transfusions. I was about to say transplants. That's not what that is. Transfusions. and But I would have to go into the cancer center to get them. And so these are people who are... So this is prior to any sort of surgery. These are people who are actively... Um, Taking chemo and radiation, I'm sitting with them, getting my iron transfusions, and talk about sobering. To and again, everybody was really kind and sweet, and um, it was it was a very calm, quiet space people would be like knitting or reading um I chose to listen to music on my phones a lot of Cardi B for some reason um uh, at that moment um yeah because like I couldn't even scroll through social media while I was getting these iron transfusion because I didn't want I had to I felt like that was gonna take me out of the moment. And so I was like, I need to be very present for my body and give her all she needs as we prepare for surgery. So I listened to music, like I treated this like we were going to war, you know, when I was getting those transf- transfusions. And, and that only happened like two or three times, but I would be there for a little while. Um, and they would make me a little, a little tired too. So um, as all this was happening, as we were, like, prepping for surgery, I would rest a lot. I would sleep a lot, sleep a lot. Um, My brain was in overdrive. I was just, like, so nervous um, about... The surgery and what it would mean for me after the surgery and what happens if something goes wrong. And then once we got to surgery time, I had a level of peace about it and that um, I will deal with the outcome. If the outcome is that I need to be more aggressive, if I need to go on chemo, then we'll do that if I become incapacitated and I'm no longer able to practice in my business I'll deal with that if I pass away um, then for me there's nothing to deal with but um yeah I'll I'll do what needs to be done so I you know I'm sharing with family about certain things as a result of that, that plan too so that was so it was a lot happening summer of 2019 and in the background of that I had also received an award from uh, the University of Georgia where I got my graduate degrees from. I received my master's in community counseling and my doctorate in counseling psychology from the University of Georgia. And around the same time I had learned that I had cancer, I learned that, um, I had been awarded, wait, how do you say this? I, um, would be In the 2019 class of their UGA 40 under 40 so in the fall of that year 2019 I was set to go to campus go back to campus and there would be like this big banquet and you know you get a table and um, I would get to go to a UGA football game I would get to see my old professors go to some of my you know my spots when I was there so that was happening, too, in the background. And um, so that was wild, too. Um, but it was also cool to have something to look forward to, like, oh, that would be fun in the fall, um, which would be well after my surgery. My surgeries happened in um, July of, of 2019. So I had my surgery. Um, I wound up having to stay in the hospital. I thought I was actually going to be able to go home immediately. Uh, that was while waking up in the recovery room and seeing all these other people who had just gotten out of surgery um, and them not letting me like roll out the door like they was letting everybody else roll out the door but also still being very much under anesthesia and I wasn't able to communicate what I was thinking and that was that was weird that was that, that was weird and so i was very much present when they were rolling me out of recovery and into the elevator to the oncology floor um and i was like this this not how this is supposed to go so <laughs> bruh um anyway um Everybody on the oncology floor was dope. They were really nice. My nurses were pretty cool. They're pretty cool. Everybody was really like, um, I asked a lot of questions. Like, what is is that? What you doing with that? What, What am I supposed to do with this? Um, so I wound up having to stay because, um, They needed to track my um, so the surgery was more invasive than they thought it would be Um, and so the anesthesia was more than they thought it would be so I needed to kind of wean, I needed to get off of that before I could get out of the hospital and that was going to take some time. In addition to um, because the surgery was more invasive than they anticipated um, my incisions were Um, more invasive than they anticipated. So um, I needed to be able to sit up, be immobile, walk around. Well, that's the same thing. Uh, uh, I just needed to be, they needed to see me kind of like be able to function before they could let me out. Um, And so um, that required some observation and some management of my pain meds before I could I could um, be discharged, so um, I took it as a personal challenge, and um, with my mom's help and cheerleading, because I absolutely couldn't done couldn't, have done couldn't have done couldn't have done. Does that sound? Is that English? <laughs> I feel like I just murdered that. Without my mother's help, this would have been much harder. She she was phenomenal in, in, in the hospital. And um, she didn't want me to tell people that she was a nurse. But I told them because I needed them to know that you're not going to be just doing anything. See, I messed it up again. You're not just going to do anything to me because my mama is here. <laughs> So, um tell you what, it worked out. Uh it it was great. Nobody did anything, but you know, I I had to flex on them a little bit and be like, you know. She'll know if you're not doing it right. My mama was not an oncology nurse. She was a med surge nurse. So she dealt with people who were complete with their um surgical procedures. That's you know. But she wasn't an oncology nurse. But they don't need to know that. That's not their business. So <laughs> Um, I'm saying that to say that I was in good spirits. We were in good spirits in the hospital. I was still woozy from the anesthesia. Even though I was texting people, uh, some people, and being like, I made it out. Um, Or actually, I'm still in the hospital, but I'm done with surgery, that kind of thing. And so um, what was weird to me is that um, I realized I hadn't told a lot of people because people were just texting me about stuff and I, I made a conscious decision not to tell a lot of people and in fact some of my family even as I'm saying this right now to this microphone on this podcast still has no idea that I'm a cancer survivor I didn't tell them I've not told them and um You might ask why, and I, it doesn't feel necessary to me. It doesn't feel necessary, particularly because I was in recovery. Now, had things been prolonged where I might have had to do radiation and chemo, I think maybe I would have shared more. But because the surgery was able to do what it needed to do, then it I didn't I didn't share. Yeah, So that kind of leads to the last part about my own wellness. So part of that was I, like, insulated myself around very close family and very close friends who I considered to be family. So only those people who fell into those categories um, knew what was happening. And the process of telling my friends, man, that was... Wild. Um, I worried about them. I worried about telling them, to be quite honest. I didn't want anybody to be worried about me. I don't know. One of my dearest friends, who's like a sister from another mother, um, she lost one of her close friends to cancer as well. And I really worried about telling her. I was like, I don't want this to upset her. But we talked about that and I explained that that's that was my hesitancy in telling her. Like I knew I had to tell her. Um but I told her. So it was wild to tell my friends about what was going on, and they responded exactly as they should have. And some of them were, you know, ready to put in the work, like, I'm coming, I'll be there at this time, da-da-da, I don't care what you say, I'm coming to visit, I'm booking my ticket. Other uh, Others of them were, uh, had jokes um, about how I didn't need to do this to get attention. <laughs> so, my, my friends did, they did what they needed to do, they showed up in the ways that I needed them to show up even without me knowing, and um, family did the same. You know, my close family that was here. I told you, my mom kind of held it down. My sister was able to come as well, not for the surgery part, uh, but she came in like the recovery um, stages, which was best because right after surgery, and I and I was home. I did a lot of resting. A lot of sleeping. Um, and kind of slowly, you know, regaining my, my strength and mobility and stuff. So in terms of my own wellness, um, those are some of the things I did. I also protected what I took in in terms of like, protecting myself from what I took in in terms of like what I was watching on TV, the amount of social media I was consuming, Probably because it was hard for me to like, just go through like the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram feed when I had just had this major thing that rocked me off my feet, and and I knew that this has happened to me, but I hadn't told anybody. But also, it's not your business, kind of th- like it was a weird thing. So I was like, you know what? Let's just not. <laughs> we don't have to be on social media. They don't pay me to do this. Um, and then TV was. Um, a lot of true crime documentaries, that seems, that might seem strange, but that was actually very helpful in cartoons. Um, right? Balance. If you're going to watch <laughs> true crime documentaries, you also have to watch cartoons for balance. Um, but I also allow myself to be cared for. So when. I needed something, I had to say it and not just kind of suffer in silence. Um, I was as transparent as possible as I could possibly be with my close circle. So, you know, people are calling and texting or even the people who are sending gifts um, or physically visiting um, or calling my mom or whomever, I had to be as open as possible about yeah, this would be a great time for that to happen, or no, let's, I'm, you know, feeling kind of tired, or, um, you know, I can do this thing, but not that. So I had to be really clear about my my needs and boundaries with them, and they were ever so respectful of all those things. I also was so very grateful to my own body, and that I'm like, now there are things that we could improve upon in terms of my own, like, level of, like, movement and fitness and, um, and so let's work on ways to, like, acknowledge where we are and how my body Signaled to me, signaled to the physicians that we need support. And so we made it through the surgery. We're in recovery. Like it was a real, like, yeah, I had to be, I had to, I had to express some gratitude and appreciation to my body and my mind. And so I had to also be kind to myself and not kind of rush my, um, recovery, and yeah, I just really had to focus on the things that were going really well, and because it could have easily been something different. So, two years ago was a very, very It was a very transformative experience. And so what happens for me now as a result of having that experience? Well, so this is the order sequence of events, y'all. So I had my surgery in July. In September, I went to the UGA um, celebration, which was fantastic. It was so fun. And then the following March was the pandemic. And so... <laughs> um. Yeah, I have been in a period of slow down. Like I rest when I when I want to rest, I take good naps, okay? I mean substantial naps. I also um Yeah, I I feel like I've gone into a place where I've been Like, selfish in a good way. And so, if I don't want to talk to people, I don't. Like, I don't force myself to... I do less people-pleasing, essentially, is what's happening. And I try to... tell my friends and family... try to have meaningful conversations with them. So... What I mean by that is, like, if I've come to a new conclusion or if I if I am feeling appreciative about our relationship, if I am feeling concerned about them or if I feel they're concerned for me, we talk about that in a very real, real way. If there are plans for the future, we talk about that, like, yeah i don't do much of how was your day type conversations it's it's more like are you happy conversations are there things that i can do that can contribute to your happiness those types of conversations so life looks different now There's still parts of, you know, that my life isn't completely transformed, but definitely the things that rise to the level of the need of having my attention change and the business and all the ways that I appreciate it and appreciate the life that it continues to afford me. I I am not all wrapped up in it as I used to be. because there are certainly things bigger than my business. And so, what that looks like now is, for most weekends, I don't open my laptop, which is wild. And I try not to respond to emails after a certain time during the work week. I really go to work and then I clock out in, the, in those ways which is not how I was operating before it used to be all the time a constant thing the level of urgency is gone because my focus has changed the business is not the number one priority I am And so, I wanted to give you all, um, I wanted to share this part of me and my part of my life. Now, after I send this out into the universe, (laughs) I might be like, why did I do that? But I I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, I doubt it. But I felt it necessary. Because there are those of us who are managing medical issues. Some of them might be chronic and not just a one-off surgery rigmarole that I did, and we're we're managing those things while managing our relationships and our households and our own mental health and emotional wellness. Where we're exhausted and and um, burnt out and overwhelmed and frustrated and embarrassed and um Hurt, angry, you may be feeling all these things as the as the business person about our own personal circumstance as we are building our business. And so I wanted to share just one space, one recent space where you know, life kind of took me by surprise. But I'm here, happy. Healthy <laughs> managing, um, and so you know, after you hear this episode, my hope is that you reach out to a fellow entrepreneur and just check in on them. Just check in on them. Why don't y'all go to lunch? Or maybe not, depending on where you are and what COVID is doing, you know, but you know, send them a little texty. A little phone call, an email, whatever. Just check on your people, y'all. And with that, I am going to wrap up. All right, y'all. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, family. We appreciate you listening. We need you to do us a favor. We need you to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, join us in following the movement on our website at mindymyblackbusiness.com. There you can find Minding My Black Business merchandise, and you can also find our digital academy. Now, our academy is the place where we are looking to expand our resources, particularly emotional wellness resources for Black entrepreneurs. And we already have worksheets there, we have more resources to come. You can follow us on our social media platforms. On Twitter, we are Minding My Black Biz. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Janae Taylor. And on Facebook, it's at Dr. Janae Taylor. So peace and blessings to us all. And when you're out there and they ask you what you're doing, don't forget to tell them, I'm minding my black business. business.